Hello and welcome to the Collecting Heroes podcast. I'm your host JD, the collector of collectors, and this is the podcast where I speak to pop culture collectors from around the world about their collections, about their passions, and today we're going to be venturing into Oh, I mean, we should call it the upside down almost, going upside down with the podcast, because my next collector that I have on the show, his name is Diego. He's from Denver, and he is a Stranger Things collector. Diego, thank you for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I reached out to you. I saw your collection. As I mentioned to you earlier, I've actually been following your collection for a while and, and remember seeing it when I was looking at collectors at least a year ago, I think it was now. But tell people a little bit about your collection. And uh, as you said you've listened to the podcast already. You know, obviously, I love to get the history of how you came to become a fan of something. So tell me, how did you get into Stranger Things and, and start collecting? Well, I was I was a bit of a latecomer to the series. Um, it had probably been around for at least six months before I kind of watched it almost out of self-defense because everybody else was talking about it and I was just clueless. <laughs> that was like around christmas of 2016 and i was five minutes into it and i was hooked nice. <clears throat> i ended up watching it two or three times and then i started looking around for communities you know to talk about it and uh along the way i kind of discovered the collecting aspect now i'm i'm a serial collector and i was looking for something at the time i've been collecting since i was a kid Okay. But I found out, you know, most of the stuff, the commercially available stuff, it was inexpensive. It was easy to get. So it was kind of a natural fit for me. And for the first year or so, I was pretty sane about it. You know, at the end of that first year, I had a little bookcase full of stuff, Funko Pops, that sort of thing. Yeah. And then early in 2018, I there were several events that kind of converged. Uh, one was that I was in a car accident, so I was laying around the house for a couple weeks with nothing better to do so and during that time i discovered ebay <laughs> and uh started discovering that there was a lot more depth to the the memorabilia and stuff that was available so i kind of went crazy and after that it just exploded yeah well i mean discovering ebay <laughs> that was definitely going to be a rabbit hole that you could go down of finding extra pieces i, I think um for many collectors you know it's, when you go onto ebay and you do those searches and then you see these things that you're like, oh my God, like I haven't seen this in my local store. This is something really cool. I have to have that. And then it's it's one thing after another and it just starts stockpiling until eventually <laughs> you are a collector, right? And you have this massive collection yeah, exactly. of I noticed you've got uh, quite a few things, like you said, uh, pop vinyls, uh, but you've also got, um, it looks like artworks, you've got uh, cards, you've got uh, figurines, mugs. I've seen um, bedspread or like, uh, you know, like, like you've got bedding, um, quite a few different Stranger Things um, items. And it's funny because it's such a new fandom. And as you mentioned, like 2016, like it hasn't been around for a long time. But oh, and that's kind of the surprising thing because the depth of the, uh, the material that's available is huge. It's just, it's amazing yeah. how much stuff is out there. Yeah. And uh, actually, uh, let's... Let's go into a little bit about your collection. As I mentioned, all the different things. I'm going to go straight for it. But uh, one of the things that I, I I sometimes ask people is what is the weirdest or the oddest thing that you have in your collection. And I'm I'm going to say because based on a recent post that you put on Instagram, um, I'm going to say there's maybe a screen used item that is a new new to the collection. <laughs> you know, I, I think you know what I'm talking about. 
I do, and I, that was what I was going to bring up. Uh, I recently, I have a friend that is kind of indirectly connected to the show, and she's become a master dumpster diver. And she go, she went in after they started tearing down the sets for season three, collecting stuff that they were removing and just discarding. Mm. And it was from the scenes where the boys are in the mall and they come up on a lingerie store. <laughs> And there were a couple of items in there that she found, and I ended up getting them from her. There's a, a picture that was actually hanging on the wall. And then what you're referencing is a pair of screen-used underwear. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, for people listening, uh, Diego has given the quotations when he says screen-used. Uh, screen-used and that appeared on the screen. It was not screen-worn. <laughs> not, not worn, that's right. Worn by a mannequin, I think. I think uh, Worn by, yeah, it was kind of a half of a mannequin. <laughs> I mean, that's, I have a, that's a cool item, though. Like, uh, you know, having something like that that's, like, from within a scene, like, even something as obscure as that, having a little tiny piece of the show um, is cool. And I noticed that you collect a lot of um, different props and things as well. I am, I'm kind of all over the map. I mean, I find a new rabbit hole that I haven't explored yet and I go down it and uh, you know, I have, I have a fair number of uh, pretty conspicuous uh, screen used props. Mm -hmm. And then I have a cabinet full of stuff. I call my screen accurate props, meaning it's the same make and model of item that was used in the show. Which, being you know, that the show is based in the '80s, might be a bit harder to get some of those items. Yeah, some, some of it is, and uh, when when the shows are released, I try to go through them as quickly as possible and identify things because yeah. once these are identified, the prices just go off. It's just yeah. it's crazy. Uh, I just saw a, a Walkman and set of headphones like Max uses in season four. A um, couple months ago, they were selling for hundred bucks. Uh, one uh, a set of both the Walkman and the headphones, along with the cassette she played, went for almost eleven thousand dollars. Whoa, jeez, that's huge! It, it, it's it's ridiculous. Somebody is going to regret their purchase there, but that's the kind of thing you have to deal with. So I have to be fast if I want to find something before the price goes crazy. Well, it's funny, actually, um, you know, some of these shows when they they kick off and they have these massive fandoms and people rush out to grab everything as soon as it goes to market and the prices jump up and it's like you get this inflated market of items and then obviously the price dumps down at the other end. Um, I've seen some of the things that I collect, um, pop vinyls, you know, that uh, are valued at a certain amount, purchase them, and then a year later they're worth maybe 30% less, you know, or, or even even more. So, so sometimes I think it's it's good to be a little bit patient with some items, um, not buy into the hype. Um, but if you can get in early and get something when it's a regular price, then that's always really good when you do see something rocket up in price. Right. Well, I'm glad I got that when I did. Yeah, exactly, exactly. How many items, like I'm looking at you um, and I can see your collection in the background and I've seen photos from the Instagram, but how many items do you reckon you'd roughly be up to? Um, honestly, I don't know. I've gotten really lax with my record keeping. I know that it's over 5,000. Wow. Jeez. Uh, is this something where you're thinking about, I, I, you may have noticed that I actually did mention that you listened to the episode with Victoria, who is the Wizarding World or was the Wizarding World um, Guinness World Record holder. Is this something you're thinking about doing? Maybe going for a record like that? Is something you considered with an amount? I mean, yeah, it's funny you should mention pieces that. is huge. 
because I was uh, I was actually considering it at least casually until I listened to that podcast with Victoria and learned <laughs> what could potentially be involved and. Suddenly, I became a little less interested in it. <laughs> it well, it is like quite the process. It's a, it's a cool little title to have. I mean, also uh, oh. Robert, who's a Ghostbusters collector, he was actually inspired and helped by Victoria um, as well. I, I listened to that one too. Yeah, and he, you know, he doesn't have five thousand items, but he managed to get the um, the, you know, the record for the collection. I, I think if you were to probably put through that collection, if you were wanting to put the work in, you probably would hold that collection for a while, like that title. I probably. Think. I mean, I, I know that I know most of the hardcore collectors. Now, the ones that I don't know about are the ones that keep a low profile and collect only props mm-hmm. or that sort of thing. But most of the hardcore Stranger Things collectors, I know them personally. So Yeah, well, I'd imagine it is, a, uh, like, as I said, it's a very popular show. It's only been around for a, a short amount of time. But I imagine that the amount of collectors who are, you know, the full-on type collectors would be a small group. I did notice also on your Instagram uh, something from pre-pandemic times in 2019, uh, a thing called StrangerCon Nashville. Uh, do you want to tell me a bit about that? Because I, I love um, conventions and I love these fan meetups. So, uh, you know, I'd love to hear more about something like this that, you know, so early in the piece. What was that like? What was that experience like? Now that uh, Creation Entertainment has created uh, cons specific for certain fandoms, and Stranger Things was one of them, and it's called Stranger Con. They have five or six of them a year at varying places in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple of them that are kind of set in stone that are in the same place every year, mm-hmm. like New Jersey and Chicago, and then the other ones move around. Uh, the first one I went to was Stranger Con in Nashville in 2018. And then I went to a second one uh, in Dallas in 2019. And then the pandemic hit and they they were completely halted for a couple of years. And now they're started back up. But yeah, it is Stranger Things only. They generally have about seven of the cast members that come to it. And they have a a number of panels and they do uh, autograph signings and photos, typical con type stuff. but it's it's all wrapped around Stranger Things. So, how many people uh, would you say attend uh, the, these conventions? Like the Nashville one, for example. How many were there? I believe there were about two thousand people at the Nashville one. That was definitely one of the smaller ones. Dallas was considerably larger. I don't know how many. I think the biggest one is Chicago, and I think there can be upwards of ten thousand at that one. Wow, that's a <laughs> That's a huge amount of people. I mean, as we said, it is a quite a popular TV show, but that's really cool. So is there anything in your collection that you picked up specifically at those conventions that's like a, a favorite item? Um, aside from like autographed photos and that sort of thing or, or other memorabilia, now it's there's generally not too much in the way of vendors or buy-sell trade going on at them. That's one of the weaknesses of those conventions. Mm-hmm. I think that best thing for me is like the the friends I've made at them they've turned into you know we've we've become sources for each other for finding things obscure things and well, that was going to be one of my next questions how like within that group of people that you were talking about that you meet at the conventions or that you you know as other collectors do you tend to sort of uh buy and sell items from each other is there a lot of it sort of uh, exchange through that um 
Sometimes there is, but it's more about people finding stuff for sale. I have people, you know, if they find something for sale, particularly something obscure or something, you know, a prop or something on eBay, I mean, I hear about it immediately. Yeah. So that's a great thing. And, you know, and I do the same for them. Um, it's, it's just, you know, we, it's kind of a partnership, you know, we all work for each other to try to, you know, support, support our addictions. Yeah. Well, and that's the cool thing about the collecting communities is having those people that you can share that passion with. And, you know, if they know that you're after a certain item and they can see it, they can let you know about that as well. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the, the most enjoyable things about the hobby for me, because I love, you know, getting people enthused and getting them passionate about whatever their hobby is. You know, don't be ashamed to be passionate and yeah. do your thing. If people roll your eyes, their eyes at you, that's fine. Well, that's another reason why I have the podcast is to, you know, so that people can listen to other collectors and, and know that there's yeah. different types of fandom out there. It doesn't matter what you collect. Just if you're a fan of something and passionate about it, just follow your heart. Just go, go with that. Exactly. Be, be who you are. Yeah. I've been I've been accused of creating some addicts, but I'll take I'll take that. <laughs> that. <laughs> and so now that you've been collecting for a few years, you did mention that you were a collector from childhood. What types of things did you collect before you got into Stranger Things? I have I have collected just about everything over the years. I mean, even as a young kid, you know, I, I collected baseball cards, uh, collected rocks, I collected beer cans, <laughs> bugs. I went through a bug phase, and uh, you know, in later years, there were books, um, antique tools. You know, it's always been something. Wow! Um, wow! I, I think um, I think it's quite. You know, for for a lot of collectors, it's it's quite common that um they maybe had some small collections that they started out with, um as a child that might be a little bit obscure. For me, uh, I, I don't know how obscure it was, but I used to collect dinosaurs. It was probably one of the first things that I had collections of back when I was in primary school. I remember having um a collection of like just plastic dinosaurs, toy dinosaurs that you would get from a you know cheap toy store or something, and then I had uh dinosaur shaped rubbers and all sorts of things and that was i remember i just had one single shelf that had probably about 50 dinosaurs on it and that was my very first collection from when i was a kid um yeah that's the kind of the and i hot wheel cars that was another one that was one of my big ones as a as a kid well i still have some hot wheel cars but mostly mine now are centered around batman you know, different types of batmobiles i yeah i've seen that you're a batman fan Yes, yes, it's definitely uh, definitely something that people know when they actually jump on a video call with me and anyone who's looked at my Instagram would, would know 100% who my favourite character is. So we've spoken about the Stranger Con, we've spoken about the uh, screen news props. Um, when you're collecting um, and when you have the type of collection that you have with 5,000 items, how do you go about space? and and actually setting that up do you have a method when you're setting up the display um right now the, the displays are kind of in in sad shape because i quite frankly i'm completely out of room so i have to pick and choose what is going to be on display in a box i recently mm -hmm. expanded the collection down to the basement uh put in a bunch of bookcases and things to be able to display down there as well so that's given given me a little bit of breathing space Right now, I'm frantically trying to organize and get ready because I have a bunch of people coming in from out of town for Fan Expo Denver, which is Denver's version of Comic-Con. Oh, cool. And 
people start arriving Wednesday night. So I am trying to get everything presentable by then. Yeah, nice. And these are other um, Stranger Things fans as well? Yeah, these are the friends I've made along the way. Uh, have have a couple coming from England. I have a couple coming from Hawaii. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, it, it's great. I mean, it really is all over the world. Is there a specific collector that you've met at one of these conventions or online that sort of stands out? You know, as someone who you were like, this is the most unlikely person that I might have never met had it not been for this fandom? Yeah, uh, Cinco, my new partner on my on my YouTube channel. We both knew of each other because aside, he's got the biggest collection that I know of outside of me, but we had never met each other. And funny enough, we were at Stranger Con Nashville at the same time, and I recall seeing him. And because he's also a painter, so he paints these big oil paintings, and then he takes them to these cons to be autographed by the cast members. And I remember seeing him, but I didn't know him. And it was sometime later when I finally started talking to him online and realized, you know, that we had these events in common. We had seen each other. We knew of each other's collections, but we had just never met. Cool. So he's become a good friend, and we've gotten together a couple of times. We went to Stranger Con in Dallas together. And then we also uh, went to Atlanta together to tour some shooting locations last year. Oh, tell me about that. What, tell me about the shooting locations. Yeah, so I have a couple of friends. They uh, they are really into the actual the, the cinematography and the film work and the locations and everything. And one of them has created what she calls her Bible. And it's basically every shooting location that they've ever used for Stranger Things. Nice. So we all got together in Dallas and we spent three days hitting all these shooting locations, you know, the school and the lab and the, you know, the, the, the video store and the arcade and all of these places and, and getting pictures and, and things like that. It was just, it was phenomenal. It was so cool to see that stuff in person. What's the lab like in person? Is it, is it much different to what you see on it's, camera? Uh, it's basically as ominous as it looks on the show. It's actually... Uh, a facility of Emory University, and it's not in use for anything except for renting out to to shoot movies. They've they've shot, I think, some uh, episodes of Ozark there. In addition to Stranger Things, they actually shot part of a movie there, and they were actively shooting when we were there. So we had to kind of be sneaky to be able to see anything because they they had security all over the place. So yeah, I imagine they would have very tight security around those things you know they don't want to have spoilers getting out you know exactly. today's age where everyone's got everyone's carrying a camera or a video camera on them oh yeah and, and there's constantly spoilers you know you'll see pictures posted online people with telephoto lenses shooting at these locations you know from some hidden area yeah trying to trying to get a little glimpse of what's going on and what's coming up yeah, so that was really great. And uh, late this summer, I'm going down to Albuquerque to tour some of the shooting locations there that they use for season four. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so I wasn't aware that they use like in these locations that are so far apart for for the show as well. The first couple of seasons, they pretty much stuck to uh, their fictional town of Hawkins. Uh-huh. Uh, but in season three, they started spreading out. In season four, or in season four. Uh, they're in Hawkins, which is done in Atlanta. They're in California, which is actually shot in New Mexico. And then they actually did shooting in Lithuania. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. Like to try and get some of the Russian. Uh, 
things, right? Yeah, the prison, the prison that Hopper's in. Yeah. Set in Russia, so they shot all of that in Lithuania. Yeah, excellent. I, I won't go into too many spoilers about what goes on in the show, but another thing I was thinking about actually uh, before we started the interview, you know, when I think about a show like Stranger Things, we're now in season four and I think about other TV shows that I'm a huge fan of and how long they've gone on for. How many seasons, like you personally, um, as, as a fan of watching the show, how many seasons do you think they might be able to go for? They've already announced that season five will be the final season. Oh, okay. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, they. Uh, there was some question actually before season four was announced whether season four might be the last one. But they, uh, when they sat down and mapped out their storyline, they they realized that they couldn't couldn't complete their story in four seasons. So, uh, well, I mean, it's great for you as a fan. You get an extra season. It's great for all it is. Uh, you know, the the, the wait in between the seasons is interminable, but it's always worth it. Well, you mentioned like, uh, I mean, we're what four seasons and it's you know, what six or so years that the show's been going for. So we've obviously had a long wait that happened during the pandemic. And I, I think it was, was it between season two and three? That was where the longest wait was. I'm trying to remember. About uh, it. No, it was between season three and four, it was just about a month shy of three years. Wow. I didn't even realize it had been that long. Already. Yeah, they started shooting uh, in Lithuania in uh, in early 2019, I believe. Wow. No, I guess it was, it was 2020 because season three released in 2019. So in early 2020, they started it and they did some shooting over there and then everything shut down. Yeah. And they didn't again for like eight months at all. Wow. So. But so cool that we'll actually get a fifth season. Um, and just like talking about that with the length of the season um, and the, or the length of the series, uh, it's really good to know that, you know, they have a plan for the story as well. Uh, you'd see some shows that, you know, just sort of seem to go on forever with season after season and the story just becomes sort of monotonous or just doesn't play out the way you'd like it to end. I mean, it, yeah, it, yeah. you can't make everyone happy, you know, as fans go. Um, I would love to have it go on forever, but they, you know, they had the 40,000 foot view of the story they wanted to tell before season one started. Yeah. And, you know, they said, you know, there's a lot of twists and turns and they didn't have any details plotted at all. So a lot of things change along the way, but yeah, the, the season five, they said that they will be able to finish the story. There's also only so many years you can shoot those children, I think, before they become adults. Yeah, and, then it, and then it becomes kid. the same thing over and over again as well, right? Like kids see monsters, kids defeat monster. Next season, kids see monster, kids defeat monster. Like. Yeah. And, and the fact that, you know, they're, they were, you know, 11 or 12, playing 11 or 12-year-olds in season one. Yeah. Now some of them are in college and they're playing 14, 15-year-olds. <laughs> That reminds me of the old days back in, uh, and you may be able to identify with this, like 90210, uh, like the old TV show from the 90s. Oh, and yeah. like 30 plus year olds that were playing teenagers in, in high school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of an ongoing joke now with, with the kids. You know, it's like going to be the, uh, you know, Stranger Things, the golden years. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, let's go in. Uh, you said you've listened to a few episodes, so you may be aware that occasionally I spring a little pop quiz 
on some of the um, <laughs> as well. Or may, maybe you didn't listen to an episode with a pop quiz, but occasionally I like to uh, to put in a pop quiz. So I've got a few questions here, and I think you're going to do pretty well with these. I I don't think I made it too hard, to be honest with you. But I've got five questions. Would you be okay. up for a pop quiz? Absolutely. All right, excellent. Well, uh, okay, so for the trivia, for five questions, first question, and you've already mentioned this one, and I think this is probably the easiest question of all. What is the name of the town where the story is set? Hawkins, Indiana. Nice, nice. Easy, easy. All right. Um, Jim Hopper is quoted as saying to Flo, mornings are for what and what? Coffee and contemplation. I love that. I, I think that's one of one of the um the best quotes, to be honest. With the <laughs> I show. love it. And I think as adults, we can definitely identify with that. Like in mornings, you just want your coffee, you want your quiet yeah, time. Yeah, just, just leave get me alone and let me get my caffeine and then we'll be yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Uh, Jim Hopper is obviously, you know, a really popular character because of the things like that as well. All right. So you, obviously, nice and easy one so far. Well, I mean, that was a you know pretty good one, that, that second question. Let's go. Number three. At the start of season two, the boys have Halloween costumes on. What is the movie that their costumes are from? Ghostbusters. And for a bonus point, can you tell me the release year Ghostbusters came out? Oh, gosh. 1988? A little bit earlier. Six? <laughs> Four. 84. 84. Oh, definitely. I mean, you knew you knew it was going to be 80s. <laughs> but, yes, 1984 was, was the release date for Ghostbusters. And... While we're talking about the 80s, Sean Astin, who plays Bob, was a famous child actor from the 80s. Many people recognize him as Mikey in another group of young adventurers in which film? Goonies. Yes, yes. And and I, that's one of the things I love about Stranger Things is it really plays on that nostalgia from back in the 80s and those different um, films like Goonies where you had these team up of <laughs> the most you know unlikely sort of cast of characters as well and yeah and i think that's part of the reason i've loved the series so much because you know i kind of came of age in the 80s and uh you know that nostalgia factor really hit me hard yeah and they nailed it so accurately especially coming from two guys who were just barely alive in the 80s yeah <laughs> it was it, it's a great show and then exactly for the for the reasons you just said there last question so you're you're perfect Perfect so far. Season four, chapter one. Let me dial that back a second. So every season, every episode is called chapter one through eight right. or nine. Season four, chapter one, what is the name of that episode? Oh, my God. Is it a bit of a of course break? you would do that one. I uh... The Hellfire Club. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. 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 Yes. Excellent. And the Hellfire Club who is run by Eddie Munson, who's also become a beloved character now um, for fans. He really has. I uh, Honestly, I have to admit that I, I thought from all the previews and stuff that it was quite possible he was going to end up being a villain. Mm. But I love him. He is just awesome. And played by the actor Joseph Quinn. A little, uh, little extra fact for people, and you may be aware of this already, uh, but he was also in Game of Thrones. He's actually a British actor. And he was also in Game of Thrones. I did find that out recently. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even know he was British, and, and I had looked him up, and I saw an interview with him. It's like, 
another Brit. You know, there's there's a lot of them on the show. Yeah, well, we had Billy was also an Australian. Um, so, yep. you know, representing uh, Aussies. Charlie's British. Then, of course, Millie's British. Yeah, and uh, there's uh, Mayor Klein, Carrie Always. Yeah. English. Yeah. Oh, and, and also another, you know, great face from the 80s as well. Um, yeah, exactly. I yeah, mean, Princess you know, Bride. Yeah. Princess Bride. That was. Yes. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, movie. So, well, you've done well. You scored all five. Um, I won't, I won't ding you for the uh, 1984. That was a, that was a bit of a left field question. I, I thought I might trip you up. I wasn't sure. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I love Ghostbusters, but the years I've, I've always been a little foggy on. Oh, it's a bit of a deep dive question. I don't think most people retain a lot of that. I mean, obviously, you know, I know Batman 89, but that's like, <laughs> everyone knows that Batman 89, yeah. 89, like that's, it's kind of how, how people refer to it. Um, so, well, Diego, I've had a great time today. Before I let you go, uh, as usual, give yourself a plug. Let people know where they can find you. I know you've got a YouTube channel and everything. Uh, so where can people find more of you and your collection? Uh, I am the Stranger Things collector on YouTube. That is my primary social media presence. I, I'm also on Instagram as the Stranger Things collector. Uh, I'm getting more active, but generally speaking, I'm, I'm not on Instagram a lot yet. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also have my little Facebook group, which is called the Stranger Things Inn and Lounge. And it is specifically for collectors. It's a very small group. There's just a couple of hundred people. We're kind of, we, we stay away from more of the, the popular type stuff. You okay. know, and, and right with collecting. So, but yeah, it's a great place. Great people. Cool. Well, I'll make sure to have the links to all these different things um, within the description of, on the episode as well. So people can check out those links. I think if they, you want to see even more and deep, deeper dive into Diego's collection, you should definitely go check out the YouTube channel and his socials as well. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so thank you again for being on the show and I uh, hope you have a wonderful time. This Is it this weekend at the... The yeah, this coming weekend. Yeah, excellent. Have a great time and thank you for being on the show. All right. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. If you like the episode, please consider following or subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also join me on Instagram at Collecting Heroes, where you can see photos of the collections of the people that I'm talking to, as well as some of my own.